uh, the first half of the series, the first half of the Lord's Prayer, is all about the character of God, the glory of God, and who He is. And that, uh, that rhythm that Jesus gave us for our prayer lives really resets our hearts and our minds. So before we ever get to asking for our own needs, Jesus teaches us to focus on who God is, His character, His glory, right? We learned that Jesus didn't teach us to pray this prayer word for word. He taught us to pray in this way. He said, pray like this when you pray, so with this type of rhythm. But now that we've spent some time kind of resetting our hearts and resetting our minds, the Bible does teach us when we pray to pray for our own needs. So today we're going to take a shift in the Lord's Prayer to our own personal needs. We look at Matthew 6, 11 as kind of our, uh, our passage for today. And Jesus continues with the Lord's Prayer, and he says this, Give us this day our daily bread. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's talk about bread for a second. How many of you just love bread? You know bread is good. Can we just admit it? Now, I know that right now in the nutritional landscape, bread is considered like the evil part of nutrition, right? I mean, like if you're on keto, you, some of you keto people, like we don't eat bread anymore. We take bacon and dip it into grease. That's what we eat now. And we just eat straight, you know, butter and bacon. That's what we eat. And look at the, the weight's dropping off. So you're skinny, you're greasy, but you're skinny. You know what I'm saying? And, and then you've got like just low-carb people who go, you know what, we're just, or you've got moderate carb, but no one's like all for bread anymore. But can we just take a moment and say, bread is good, right? Bread's delicious. And, and so I don't know what kind of bread you go for, but like if you're one of those people that says, okay, I need to be more responsible with my bread consumption. I'm just going to get rid of bread. I'm going to become more responsible. You are what we call whole wheat people. How many of the whole wheat people do we have in the room? It makes you feel better about yourself. They say that whole wheat has more fiber, so it's more low glycemic. It doesn't shoot into your bloodstream so fast. It's kind of chewy, but you go, you know what? That's good for you. It makes you feel better about yourself. But we all know that if we had our druthers, we'd be eating this stuff right here. And you know this, that, that, right? Can I get an amen? White bread, come on now. White bread's still good, man. My kids have, have literally lived their entire childhoods eating whole wheat bread, right? And then when their grandmothers come in town, what they like to do is go buy this stuff. And I remember the first time they did that, and, and they were making sandwiches with it, and I came home, and like my oldest son Gabe looked at me, he's like, Dad, you've been holding out on me, man. <laughs> I had no idea how good life could be till I had this kind of bread. And then there's this type of bread. If you're more artisanal, you make homemade bread. In the beginning of our marriage, we had uh, man, my wife had one of these homemade bread makers, and she would make this incredible bread, and we would slather the butter on it. Anybody getting hungry yet? I mean, this is like... <laughs> We need some carbohydrates, right? And now, when I was in college, I used to go to Ruby Tuesdays. Ruby Tuesdays, and do y'all remember, they don't do it anymore. Do y'all remember that brown bread they had at Ruby Tuesdays, and they had the honey butter, and you just dip it in that honey butter? And you know, when you're in college, I was broke when I was in college, so I'd go to Ruby Tuesdays, and I'd be like, bring on the free bread. And then when it came for my main course, I'd say, yeah, a cup of soup. Can I have the cup of soup? And you could just tell they were, yeah, you're a broke college student. Don't judge me. You were all broke college students one time, too. But that stuff... That's delicious with the butter. But now, here's the deal. We are Southerners, right? So we know in the depths of our hearts and our guts, to be more appropriate, we know what real bread is. And we know that it needs to be served a certain way. This is what I call real bread. It comes in one of those types of skillets, and it's called cornbread. Can I get an amen in the church today? Amen, right? 
That's what it's all about. My grandmother made that all the time, and she did not bake it. She fried her cornbread. And then the more butter, the better, right? Bring it on, babe. Only in the South can we take healthy things like corn and stuff and make it unhealthy. But, hey, it's delicious, so we all agree that bread is good. Well, Jesus is going to teach us this idea of bread, and bread here is going to represent our needs, our needs in our lives. And this portion of the Lord's Prayer transitions us from an acknowledgement and an alignment with God's character and His will to now our personal petitions. Here's the part of the prayer. Now that Jesus has reset our hearts and minds, now that Jesus has helped realign us with the glory of God, He says, now you're ready to make your request. Now you're ready to bring your petitions, if you will, to God in this way. And, and what we see here, first of all, is a theological idea that the prayer reminds us of. Remember, this is a prayer we're to pray every day in this way. And when you pray this way, it reminds you of two big theological truths, two twin truths, if you will. It teaches us this blueprint that we are, we are finite humans with needs, and God is an infinite God who provides. In other words, finite means we're limited and we are needy. So even when the prayer turns to our needs, we're reminded that we are very needy. And our God is totally infinite. He is not limited. He has all power. He has all the resources. He can do all things. So what, what this prayer does is it brings needy people to an unlimited God. And that's a really good thing. Now that is hard for us sometimes to remember our needs. It's hard for us to remember that we are needy. But I want to remind us today of just how needy we are because we are fragile as humans. Let me, just, let me just put this back in front of us because as modern humans often, like we, we've got grocery stores. The people Jesus was talking to, if they didn't get food that day, they could starve because food was scarce. But now we have grocery stores and we have all these resources. You can go to Walmart. You don't have to get out of the car. You don't have to burn any calories to go get your stuff. They will bring it to your car, right? Just call ahead, have all the food you want. So it's hard for us to get into this knee thing, but let me tell you, I get a front row seat to people's lives as a pastor, and I'm telling you that we are all one doctor's visit, one phone call, one accident, one bad day. We are one step away from our lives being turned totally upside down. We just are. I don't say it to scare you. I, scare, I say that to remind us that we are more needy than we want to admit and that we are more dependent on God than we want to admit. But Jesus is saying here, that it's a good thing to remind yourself every day. Remember, the Lord's Prayer is about changing us, not changing God. This is a reminder. Jesus says, and when you get to your needs, here's how you pray. I need you, Lord, I need you every day for my daily bread. I don't need you next month. I don't need you next year. I don't need you in case things go wrong. I need you now. And Jesus says, this is a rhythm that will keep us right where we need to be. Philippians 4, 19 through 20, the Apostle Paul wrote this and reminds us that our God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He is the provider, and he loves to provide, and he will provide your needs. It does not say he'll provide every want. He will provide your needs. And watch this. And the beginning of the prayer helps even align that. When we, when we are focused in on who God is, and His glory, and His kingdom, and His will, we will begin to ask appropriately for our needs. But this is hard for us, especially, by the way, as Americans. 
Because us Americans are all about, not dependence, we're all about independence. Like once a year, we barbecue and hang out all day and shut down work and everything that we do to celebrate Independence Day. Now, please stop calling. If you're one of those people that call it the 4th of July, stop. It's not the 4th of July. That's like a calendar thing. It's Independence Day. Can I get an amen, right? That's what it is. If you want to read a great book, 1776 by David McCullough is an incredible book on the American Revolution. It's one of my favorites. Like, get, get to know what happened in our country. It's an amazing thing. But with all the appreciation that I have for our country and all that's happened, our independent attitude can get in the way of our walk with God. Because we were not created to be independent from God. Now, governments and all that kind of stuff, totally different story. But when it comes to our walk with God, we are reminded here that our prayer lives should reflect a posture. And our posture has to be one of dependence. Because here's the deal. Arrogance is when we act like we are self-sustaining. And Jesus is eradicating the arrogance in our lives when we pray. He says, I don't want you to act like you can handle your life. See, we have, every generation has its own parlance, if you will. We have our own, like, verbal cues. And one of our verbal cues that I see a lot and hear a lot, I see it hashtagged, I see people saying it to one another, and it's this. You got this. You got this. I got this. And I think a new phrase we need to have in the church is, we don't have this. We don't. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, marriage... I don't have this. I need his help. You understand? Like, I got a teenager at home now. I don't have this. I am dependent. Some of you are facing some stuff right now, and you, you are to the place where you go, I don't have this. I'm walking through some stuff. I don't have it. Don't have it covered. Don't know how I'm going to handle this. And that's exactly what Jesus says. Jesus says, in our walk with God, we have to get to the point where we stop acting like we've got this. And we move to a place of humility. And humility says, I need God. And our prayer life should reflect that. And the consistency of our prayer life should reflect that. I need you, God. Every hour, every day, I need you. need God. And let me just make this real clear. And I've seen, I've seen it in my own life. I believe this is true. The absence of prayer in a believer's life is a sure sign of the presence of pride. Because one of the most prideful things I can do is live my life prayerlessly. Because when I pray, I am literally saying, God, I need you. Every day that I fail to pray, I am saying on that day, God, I didn't need you today. This is why Jesus taught us that when we pray, we should pray daily. Every day we need to come to God. Why? Because we need Him every day. How many of you think tomorrow, Monday, you're going to need God? How many of you think, I'll probably need Him tomorrow? Okay? If you didn't raise your hand, you need Him right now too, just letting you know. So why would we not pray? Understand, I want you to see prayer through a new lens. Every time you pray, you are acknowledging, you are stepping into the truth that you need God. You're saying, I need you. That's why I'm praying. That's why I'm on my knees. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing to God. That's a beautiful rhythm that Jesus taught us. If I don't pray over my marriage, I'm saying, I don't need you in my marriage. God, I got it. If I don't pray over my kids, I'm saying, God, I, I, I need you to cover like my eternal destiny. But when it comes to the kids, I got this. If I'm not praying over the major things in my life, I'm saying, I've got this. But when I pray, I'm admitting I don't 
have this. Another thing to notice here, when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, Jesus, the man God, is teaching us this is how we should pray. He is demonstrating for us the sacred value of our physicality and our needs. I think many of us have this idea that there are spiritual things and then there are physical, tangible things. And that the spiritual things are beautiful and wonderful and good things. And then the, just the stuff of life, that's not important at all. And Jesus blows that right out of the water. Jesus says, no, no, here's the kingdom and the sovereignty of God and the power of God and the glory of God, and here's your needs, and we're going to talk about them in the same prayer. Jesus mingles these things for us. He is elevating the idea of our physical needs and our physical lives. You know, there was a heresy, and when I use the word heresy, what I mean is something that's totally untrue and is totally against the truth of God. And there was a heresy uh, post-resurrection that, that Jesus actually did not embody, that God did not embody a human body, that he actually just kind of hovered over that body, that he was never really in that physical body because a holy God would never taint himself by coming into humanity. And that they didn't really nail Jesus to that cross. They only nailed like a body with Jesus hovering over. And there's this whole heretical idea that's totally untrue. And you go, well, I would never believe something like that. Well, then, then let's also not believe that there's this huge gap between spiritual things and these physical things in our lives. Jesus is t teaching you that bread is spiritual. Jesus is teaching you that you were made in a body. You were made in the constraints of time. You were made to live in this way and that it matters to God. He is elevating this idea. Paul dealt with some of these issues. Look what he said in 1 Timothy 4. The same idea. He says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now that's serious stuff. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. So what do those people do who abandon the faith and begin to act like the devil? Here's what they do. They forbid marriage, a physical thing. They forbid marriage and they require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. You see what Paul's teaching us here, and Jesus is teaching us, elevating the physicality of life. It's not that this, this is spiritual and this isn't. No, it's all important, and it all matters to God. So what Jesus is teaching us, after going from the kingdom, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, to now going to, hey, I need food today, is he's saying, our God, and this is such good news, church, listen, our God cares about the macro things like his will and his sovereignty and his kingdom he also cares about the micro things which is our needs he cares about both the same god who created the universe knows the hairs on your head it matters this is this is a beautiful part of this prayer this means that you should absolutely set your heart and mind on the glory of god and his kingdom and that's what life's all about but god also cares how your little girl's doing in her first year of school God also cares how you and your spouse are doing right now. God, God cares about the forward march of his church and his kingdom, and he also cares about the fact that, you're, that you have migraine headaches and the doctors cannot seem to get it under control, and God does care about that. Are you following this rhythm that Jesus gave you? God is macro, and God can also 
deal in the micro, and he cares and wants you to bring that daily bread need to him. He cares. He cares that you can't sleep at night because you're so worried about the future. He cares about the fact that you have a doctor's appointment this week that scares you to death because of some symptoms you've been experiencing in your life. He cares about the fact that your job is not going the way you thought it would. And there's that part of you that goes, I don't need to bring this to God. People all over the world don't even have a job. And I've got this job and I'm just kind of unhappy in it. And, And that's the beauty of the prayer. Jesus says, no, no, your father cares about you. He cares about all the big stuff and he cares about you and your little needs, and your little stuff, it matters to him. Do you understand, church, how good that is? How great that news is for us? God cares and wants you to bring your needs to him. Give us this day, our, us, us little finite creatures. Oh, infinite God, would you give us this day our daily bread? He cares. He also created this world that we live in. God is outside of time. This is hard for us to wrap our minds around. But God exists outside of time. He doesn't have a past and a future. That, that, that stuff doesn't even apply to him. He is. That's why he said, I am that I am. And we go, I don't even understand that name. Well, it's because we're finite and he's infinite. He is. But he did create us in the constraints of time. Like time is what he created for us with bodies. We are finite and limited on purpose. And so we need to understand that. And God made this world that we live in. It's not some horrible thing. It's a beautiful thing, right? Genesis 131 says, God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Very good. All things should be taken with thanksgiving. Have you ever thought about how God made everything? Like, it's pretty amazing. Like, I can't wait for heaven. But I also think this is pretty amazing. Can we just stop for a minute and talk about how good God is? Have you ever thought about, let's talk about, I don't know, food. Let's talk about food for a minute. Since this is a food sermon, we started with bread. Everyone's starving to death right now. You're all going to go to Panera Bread afterwards and just eat lots of bread. But have you ever thought about the fact that God did not have to make food good? He didn't have to. What is food at its elemental source? It is nothing but fuel for our bodies. Well, he could have made it like gasoline. He could have made it for your engine. He could have said, okay, we're going to have these little bricks. You're going to shove it down your throat. It's going to keep you running. Which I have had food kind of like that before. But But instead, God made food to be good and pleasurable. Think about this. God made things like cows. The next time you go by a field of cows, you should, you should sing the song, I raise a hallelujah. You should begin to praise God for cows. Have you ever thought about all the good that comes out of a cow? Cheese, ice cream, burgers, steaks, steaks. God didn't have to do that. He made good things. Have you ever, I'm, a, I'm a big blueberry guy. Anybody in the room like blueberries? Now let's talk about a blueberry for a second. Blueberries are made. You know, blueberries is basically candy hanging on a bush. That's what it is. Now think about how good God is. Now we try to make candy and it's terrible. Like it tastes good, but it's bad for us. God says, I'm going to make candy. And when I make candy for my people, here's what, you, what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the most amazing 
sugar-inducing tasting thing in the world, but it's actually going to have tons of nutrients and vitamins in it, and I'm going to wrap it in a little shell, and that little skin is going to make it beautiful. It's going to be this dark blue color, but that, that skin is going to be full of fiber, and when you eat it, the fiber is going to slow down the intake of the sugar into your human body that I created as well. And so what's going to happen is when you put it in your mouth and you bite it, it's going to explode with all this amazing goodness, but when you swallow it, the little skin I made is just going to slow that sugar down so it doesn't hurt your bloodstream, but it's going to get all those nutrients into your body. And it's this perfect little thing that I've made for you to enjoy. Isn't God amazing, right? I mean, that's God. He says it's going to taste good. Probably when he first created, he's like, in a couple thousand years, you guys are going to figure out how to make a blender and you're going to make smoothies out of these things. That's God. Made strawberries and watermelon and all these beautiful, wonderful things. And just stop for a minute and think. And he said, and this is very good. God made a physical world for us, and he cares about it, and he invites us to talk to him about it. God, I need you to provide for me. So listen, God created us this way. Embodied creatures on earth, finite, right? In time, time is his creation, on purpose and for a purpose. There's a reason God made us this way. And it's beautiful, and it's wonderful. It's been cursed and twisted by sin, but he is not done. And even, you see his beauty, even in the middle of the darkness of a sinful world, you still see his beauty coming through. He's not done with this thing. Isn't God good, church? And Jesus says, you can ask your Father for these things. Bread is a common theme in the Bible. You can go all the way back to the Old Testament and see it, but there's also something that's always attached to the idea of bread and provision. Now, here's another layer of this. We see it in the Lord's Prayer. Look look at the words of Christ again. Give us this day our... Whenever you see bread in the Bible or this concept of our needs, you will see attached to it a rhythm that we were created for when it comes to our needs. You go back to Exodus 16.4, when God rained down bread. Look what it says. The Lord said to Moses, Behold... I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a, what is it, church? A day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. This is important for you to understand. The people of Israel thought like we probably would. We need to gather a bunch of that bread in case we run out. And it did not work. The bread would spoil. God forced them to learn to depend on him every day because... That would be good for them in their hearts, to learn to depend on Him. And that little rhythm, that day-to-day rhythm, is all the way throughout Scripture. We see it again when Jesus says, here's how you need to pray daily. You need to pray for your needs daily. You need to learn to live in this rhythm. Write it down. This day-daily idea means we were created with a God-designed rhythm for our lives. It's kind of, we're talking about food today. Let's talk about some more food. Sushi. Anybody like sushi? All right. Now watch this. Sushi is made to be eaten a certain way, one bite at a time. It's already made that way for you. The chef that sushi's beautiful. Like, and for you to enjoy sushi, part of it is the visual. Part of it is that it's perfect to go in your mouth. It's one bite at a time. Now, early in our marriage, I tried to get my wife onto the sushi bandwagon with me, and she never did fully come onto it with me, but she tried to for a while, and here's what my wife would do. We'd get a sushi roll, beautiful sushi roll, and she'd get her a little piece, and she would get a fork and a knife and start cutting that piece of sushi. And I would sit, 
And I just couldn't believe that she was doing this. And I would say to her, that's not how it's made to be eaten. You're messing the sushi up. Part of it, it's supposed to be presented a certain way. And now that you've messed it up, all it is is just a pile of stuff with some seaweed on top of it because you cut it all to pieces. Now, on the flip side of it, if you eat more than one bite at a time, it will choke you. It's too much. You're like, right? So it wasn't designed that way. It's not designed to just wolf it down, and it's also not designed to cut it into little pieces. All right? It's created to be eaten one bite at a time. Now, watch this. So was your life. And what many of us do is we choke down our energy and the grace and mercy God's promised us because we try to take weeks and months and sometimes even years at a time and try to digest it, and you weren't made for that. And that's where anxiety and worry and stress come in. And God says, no, no, I'm going I'm to help you. I designed life to be presented to you and enjoyed and endured and handled one day at a time. There's this amazing daily rhythm that God has given us. Jesus helped us with this in Matthew 6. Look what he said. He said, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Now look at this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There it is. It's the rhythm. And Lamentations tells us that God's mercies are new every morning. So here's what you need to understand. You were created with a rhythm that God says, I'll provide for you if you'll live this way. God has given you everything you need for today. But he did not give you everything you need today for today and tomorrow. He has promised that if you learn to trust him, when your eyes pop open tomorrow, you will have everything you need for tomorrow. And Tuesday and Wednesday, it's going to happen. He's always going to be faithful. Watch this. But if you try to jump ahead, you will burn today's energy and grace and mercy on stuff that hasn't even happened yet. And that's where we begin to get anxious and worried, and we try to control the future, and we can't, or we try to uh, worry about stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Some of us, we allow what's behind us to rob us of today. We become shameful and regretful from the past. we got to let God's grace deal with that. Or we are over-nostalgic, and we think it was the good old days back then, and God says, no, it was just life then too. I've given you this day as a gift. And so Jesus teaches us in the way we pray to get us back into this day by day, by day, rhythm. And he says, you can trust that God will be faithful to provide for you daily, every single day, one bite at a time. So I would say this to us today. Worry about nothing and pray about everything. This rhythm of prayer and life that Jesus is giving us is kryptonite to worry and anxiety, literally. It is the worry and anxiety killer. And we could all use some of that, could we not? Jesus says, Paul says, 
All the apostles agree. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And Paul gets a little more detailed here. Look at what he says in Philippians. Ride in line, but he gives you one more layer of the result of praying like this and living like this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now watch what happens when we do this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And there it is. Everybody just take a deep breath, and I let it out. That's what Jesus is teaching you. You don't have this, but he does. You have no idea what's coming in your life tomorrow. No idea. But he does, and he has this. And he will give you everything you need tomorrow, and next week, and next year. And he is faithful, and he is trustworthy. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. not going to help anyway, Jesus says. So trust your heavenly Father who is rich in glory to provide for your needs. Folks, this prayer, write it down, is an invitation to dependency. That's what it is. We seek independence, and Jesus is pulling us back to dependency. We seek financial independence. We seek relational independence. We seek independence in every arena of our lives. And here is Jesus looking at us saying, you need to learn to depend on your heavenly Father. Depend on Him. And remember, the first part of the prayer was a huge reminder, right? A huge reminder of who God is. So can we trust Him with our daily needs? What kind of God is He? When we come to Him with our needs and we say, God, I need you today. I need you. I'm worried. I'm anxious. Can we depend on him? Well, look what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. He said, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? And which one of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? I love the brutal honesty of Jesus here. He says, if you then, who are evil, <laughs> will hold back a little bit, Jesus. He looks at us, he says, so if you know how to be a good dad and a good mom and a good person and you're like cursed with sin, and like you're not God, look what he says. How much more? That how much more is huge, three-circle today. Come on, say it. How much more? How much more? If you who are all messed up and worried and anxious yourself, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? That is such good news. Jesus says you can trust that your God who knows where the universe is, who knows where the stars are, who knows their names. The Bible says he created them, scooped out oceans. He knows the future. He knows everything. This great God of yours who is all into all that big stuff also knows the hairs on your head, folks. Listen, God cares about you and is able to help you. So why in the world would we not come to him? Why would we be so arrogant? to say, we got this. Why would we not come to him and go, God, I need you. So it's okay today, in just a moment when we pray, it's okay for you to pray about your kid's school year. It's okay for you to pray about that thing you're scared about. It's okay for you to pray about that thing that you think so insignificant. Why? Because you've spent the first part of your prayer saying, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, not mine, yours. And when that heart and mind of yours is aligned in that way, then you can go to God and say, and God, 
in all of your greatness, in all of your hallowed power and sovereignty, I'm asking you to provide for my daily bread. And in the end, we're invited to dependency. This prayer is an invitation to that dependency, and it's an invitation for us to ask the bread of life for our daily bread. What a prayer. I'm asking the bread of life himself as our team comes for my daily bread. And that's what I want to invite you to do now. They're going to lead us in a song. And as they do, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer in this way. What, what needs do you have? What are you concerned about? What's making you anxious? The secret to getting rid of that is to put it at the feet of Jesus. This is an invitation to dependency. That's what this is. It's an invitation for you to step back into depending on God. So as they play, I want you to just pray. And I want you to pray about your needs. Your little needs, your big needs, all of them. I want you to spend a few minutes putting your needs in the hands of Jesus.